Um, it's it's good to be uh, good to be back up. You know, last week I talked a little bit about opportunities for serving. There's still, if you feel led, you can grab me after class. You can certainly uh, text me, email me, uh, call me, which people don't call anymore. The, the only people I get calls from are my buddies Spam Risk and Political Call. I don't know about you, but those two, Spam Risk will not leave me alone. He is just, I assume Spam's a guy. Sam seems like he would be a guy. Um, Fortunately, last time I answered, it was horrible. My credit, my social security number had been stolen, and I was going to go to prison for it. Uh, if I didn't just do whatever they said, I was going to be arrested, because that's how things work. Uh, yeah. So, again, if you want to uh, be involved, if you just take one and pass them back, um, if you want to be involved in anything specific in the class, just, just let me know. Um, excited about the, the fellowship in a couple weeks. Please, uh, if you need assistance in any way, rides or whatever, let me know. Uh, but it's, it's meant to be just a time of connection, uh, time of, of fellowship and time of connection. Oh, did I only hand like three over there? I'm sorry. I have fat five. I did a horrible job. It had nothing to do, it had my ability to count. It had my ability to grab. I've been trying, so I was handing out papers this morning in the pre-service meeting and I was trying not to lick my fingers to do, like I feel like that's a post-COVID thing I used to be like and then hand them out right but I don't do that anymore like I try at least I try not to so I didn't calculate this this right here is a very real effect of COVID not enough handouts all right so a couple of weeks ago, last week, I don't know, you, you remember that Gabrielle and Jorge uh, moved to Boston to be a part of the church plant there. Uh, we're very excited about them, but that actually caused Living Faith Boston to transition because they now have a nursery and they have a need for a nursery. And we ask folks to, if you wanted to donate money toward some of the needs. So I wanted, and I wanted to share with you all what we got, the monies that came in. Um, so here is a slide. We got one of, this is not real size. This is a bigger mat. It's like a mat that goes, but it was a very specific one that they needed to fold up so they could, because they got to pour everything in and out and store and out of the rooms. Um, some balls, uh, which these are all things they put on their kind of Amazon wish list, right? So we didn't choose these. Um, I'm not, I've been to Living Faith Boston. They don't have a room big enough for balls, but... <laughs> Not my decision. Like, that's on them. We did not buy the hand. That I feel like this is a very odd picture. It's like, and you get a, a hand thrown in. Uh, we got some musical instruments, which will be great. We're investing in the next generation of praise and worship leaders. Mostly it'll sound like bang, bang, clank, clank. Uh, but that, and then we got a changing pad, uh, and I'm not sure if this is just the box that comes in, but, so these are the things that we got. I just wanted to let you all know, uh, you know, the fruit of that, and as we're all sent via our friends in, at Amazon directly to them, so good stuff, but, all right, so back in our study, uh, in the victory in the book of Exodus, uh, we, uh, I'm, I'm excited about today's message, some, uh, you know, I try to be super transparent with you all. Some messages are more exciting to me than others. And this one, I think, is a little more exciting. So um, I, partly because I feel like I learned something tangible that I had never really seen before. Right. And that's a neat place to be when you're studying scripture. You never want to be in a place where you feel like you always know it. Now, the plagues and the story in Exodus is a more common story. So it's a little easier to look at a story like that and say, yeah, I know all about it. I know, I've read that story a gazillion times. But when the Lord brings out kind of interesting points, interesting detail, uh, I, I think it, it's a blessing to me, and I hope, I hope you are blessed by it. Um, I am going to say up front, I'm going to put a little disclaimer. I'm not dogmatic about what I'm going to teach today, meaning there is a little room for the fact that I believe this is what scripture is teaching. If you don't see it that way, I am at worst going to thumb wrestle you over it. And let me just tell you, I'm a pretty good thumb wrestler. Um, 
at worst, we're just going dis- like, to disagree. But I don't think I'm stretching scripture. I really don't. Because we're going to look at a couple of verses that I think put a benchmark. And the reason I'm putting out this disclaimer is my wife and I are, I'm not sure we're in the exact same spot on this one. So sometimes I give my wife the preview of the message. That's why if you see her sleeping during service, it's because she's already heard it once or twice. Okay. Now, it doesn't mean if you're sitting next to her, you still nudge her because it's rude. Right. So don't fall asleep, Michelle. But but we've had some really good discussions. We haven't thumb wrestled over this, but we probably should. Um, yeah, she'd beat me probably on thumb wrestling because she always does. She cheats, but that's what that, uh, yeah. um, so the situation. So we're going to look at victory and separation as our context today. Victory and se- separation. Now, remember the situation. We've seen the plague of blood. In Exodus 7, right, there was a plague of blood in the river, and then they had to dig, dig pits, and there was blood everywhere, and the fish died, and then there were the plague of frogs. We talked about that a few weeks ago with the, the concept of salmonella being everywhere and people being sick, and it probably not killing a lot of folks, but it just being downright gross. They were in, their ne- in the bread kneading troughs. They were literally everywhere, those frogs. So there was no way to kind of get away from the, the ick component, right? And then, then, then in Exodus 16 through 19, which is in part, part of our, and actually go ahead and go ahead and turn there. It's on your page, I believe, 16, 19. Um, and, uh, and the Lord said to Moses, uh, said unto Moses, say unto Aaron, stretch out thy rod and smite the dust of the land that it may become lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And they did so, for Aaron stretched out his hand with his rod and smote the dust of the earth, and it became lice in man. And I think it's interesting because this rod, you know, God gave Moses authority. Moses, we looked at that, gave Aaron uh, the authority. The rod becomes kind of Aaron's rod, even though it was Moses' rod, and the, it represents power. In some cases, it hits the ground, it turns into snake. In other cases, you hit the ground, it turns into lice. In other cases, you turn, hit the ground, it turns into uh, to blood to water or water to blood. All, it's just it's amazing what God's doing here. And they did so for Aaron stretched out his hand with his rod and smote the dust of the earth and it became lice in man and in beast. And all the dust of the land became lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And the magicians did so with their enchantments to bring forth lice, but they could not. So there were lice upon man and lice and, and upon beast. And then the magicians said unto Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. So this is now the plague of lice. And we're going to touch on the plague of flies, which is in Exodus uh, 20 uh, through 32. Uh, Again, we're just going to touch on that in just a second. But again, the situation is we're in the kind of the middle of the plagues. Now, we know all the plagues that are coming, all that had occurred and and are coming. They, of course, did not. Um, I, I remember... Years ago, I told somebody um, about the World War One uh, memorial, you know, here in Kansas City. As somebody was visiting, and they, when I asked them how it went, they said, "Well, on the on the the big pillar thing, right? At you know, and uh, uh, what's the park? Pen, is it Penn Valley Park? Pen, you know, Liberty Memorial. You know, it doesn't say World War One. It says the Great War. It's like, well, they didn't at that time know there was going to be a second World War." Um, so they just referred to it as the Great War. They didn't know where they were at in the plagues. Like, at any moment in time, Pharaoh could have let the people go and stopped the subsequent, you know, plagues, or, if you will. So they, they would have, wouldn't have happened. Now, we know that they're kind of in the midst of this, and they're, the plagues are kind of coming fast and furious at this point in Exodus uh, chapter 8. Um, and I read out of my notes, but if you continue in... Uh, in verse 20, it says, uh, And the Lord said unto Moses, Rise up early in the morning, and he standeth before Pharaoh, and he cometh forth to the water, and saying to him, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. Else if thou wilt not let my people go, I, uh, behold, I will send a swarm of flies upon thee. So sometimes people will lump the lice and the flies plagues together as a plague of insects, just to let you know. Uh, and upon thee and upon thy servants and upon thy people and in the houses and the houses of Egyptians shall be full of swarms of flies and also the ground whereon they are. 
I, but notice verse 22, and I will sever in that day the land of Goshen in which my people will dwell and no swarms of flies shall be there to the end that thou mayest know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. And so the situation are, or is that they are going in, they're in the midst of the plagues. They're dealing with plagues. Now there's a struggle associated with it. In the first point, I think you have on your notes, the children of Israel were in some way impacted by the first three plagues. We've touched on this in our previous discussion. This is where we ha- you, you have potentially some disagreement depending upon how you read uh, or apply the scriptures. The plague of blood, notice, so, so I, this is from kind of reaching back into our previous uh, messages and previous uh, story. In Exodus seven seventeen, I will smite the rod uh, with the rod the waters which are in the river, and they shall be turned to blood. So all of the water that's in the river was going to be turned to blood. It didn't matter who, who pulled from that, whether it was the Egyptians or the, the children of Israel. In verse 18, And the fish that is in the river shall die, and the river shall stink. So now the supply of fish is dead, if anybody ate. Uh, also it stinks, so obviously that can impact everyone. And then verse 19, take thy rod, stretch out thy hand upon the waters of Egypt and upon the streams and upon their rivers and upon their ponds and upon all their pools of water. Notice that the all there, uh, that they may become blood and that there may be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, both in vessels of wood and in vessels of stone. So whether or not this happened to the children of Israel, I would vote that it did because scripture is so clear that it says all, right? It's saying all the land of Egypt is impacted. And we know the children of Israel were in the land of Egypt. Similarly, the plague of frogs, which, which we talked about in Exodus 8, uh, verse 6. And Aaron stretched, forth his, stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. And there's no differentiation. There's no uh, delineation that it didn't impact the children of Israel. And the Lord did in verse 13, according to the word of Moses, and the frogs died out of the houses, out of the villages, and out of the fields. Kind of, again, the implication that it didn't matter where you were in Egypt, there were frogs and they died, right? And then we, they had to pile them up and get rid of them. We see, yeah. You're good. That's coming up. That's at the. That's the last plague. Uh, the plague. They call it a plague. So that's right. Right. And so yeah. So if you are good. That that no no no. You don't have to. That's I. You're processing it. Really, it's cool. We're actually going to talk a little bit more about it. So you're you're right there. That's cool. No, it really is fine. So in the plague of lice, which is the third plague, right? And the Lord said unto Moses, say unto Aaron, stretch out thy rod and smite the dust of the land that it may become through uh, lice through all, all the land of Egypt. Again, I believe that every word of scripture is important, is there for a reason. It doesn't say that there's a protection over the children of Israel for this. So I believe that they at least had to deal with it in some way. Whether it was the same extent or not, I don't know. In verse 17, and they did so, we already read this, and stretched out his hand, smote the dust of the earth, and became lice, and the man and beast, and all the dust of the land became lice throughout all the land of Egypt. So I think this creates um, a, a bit of a, of a standard that when you look at, and I read verse 22, and I will sever in that day the land of Goshen, in which my people that dwell that no swarms of flies shall be there. So this is a change in what's happening with the plagues. The first three plagues, I would argue, had a bigger impact, okay? Uh, had a bigger impact across the, the uh, children of Israel. Whether or not they dealt with it the exact same way or not, I don't know. Whether, whether they were in, the frogs were in their kneading troughs, I don't know. But it said they were everywhere in all the villages and everything, yeah. Maybe there's a very, very real possibility that the impact of the of the plagues. That y'all, seriously, you all should just come on up. And <laughs> this is. 
Sure, sure. Right. So uh, even the taskmasters might not have been able to to control the children of Israel because they're dealing with frogs in their own house or whatever, right? Or they're trying to get fish and try like 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 the whole the whole so so you all are touching on something that's very important. The whole of the land of Egypt is like like in turmoil. Like we, I I think we think of these things as very um, very contained. Kind, these are plagues that impacted like every every aspect of life. You thought COVID was bad, you know, for for months with the quote lockdowns and then the the recovery, and you had to wear face masks until even no this paper. no toilet paper. You remember that? I was like crazy. <laughs> I still remember my my sister in law put on a meme on her Facebook and said, "Napkins in my book, glove box. This is your time to shine." Um, <laughs> like like. Like it's just crazy, but but that really doesn't even touch the hem of the impact that these plagues were having. Like everything was in disarray, everything was just in disarray. And verse twenty-two is very is a clear, I think, a clear delineation. But 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 hold those thoughts. We'll get to them. So this is a biblical pattern, right? In Jonah. Chapter one in Jonah, chapter one, and try to, and if you can, turn with me. Um, you won't necessarily be able to to do all of these, and I meant to have these, um, and I don't have my new Bible down yet. Is anybody there? Anybody want to read it? J- J- Jonah chapter Jonah chapter one. Want to read Jonah chapter 1, 1 through 16? Can you read it quick? Awesome, thank you. So, so literally, these sailors were caught up in Jonah's situation in his sin because he was trying to flee from the Lord, right? So, because of that, these innocent folks were tossed, and they thought they were going to die, right? So, this is a this is one of many pattern. And if you if anybody wants to grab, I'm going to read First uh, Samuel 31 one through six. If somebody wants to grab. Uh, uh, Joshua 7, etc. That would be awesome. But uh, now the Philistines fought against um, Israel. Um, 
sorry. Uh, and the men of Israel fled from before the Philistines and fell down slain in Mount Gilboa. And the Philistines followed hard upon Saul and upon his sons. And the Philistines slew Jonathan and Abinadab and uh, Malchis. So when I read these in advance, I don't think I had to think about pronouncing them. Uh, Malchishua. Uh, Saul's sons and the battle went sore against Saul and the archers hit him and he was sore wounded to the archers then Saul said unto his armor bearer draw thy sword and thrust me through therewith lest these uncircumcised come and thrust me through and abuse me but this but his armor bearer would not for he was sore afraid therefore Saul took a sword and fell on it uh, fell upon it and when his armor bearer saw that Saul was dead he fell likewise upon his sword and died with him so died or so Saul died, and his three sons, and his armor bearer, and all those men, and that, that same day together. Like, the consequence of one person's disobedience can have impact on other people. We've seen it in sailors that thought they were going to die. We've seen it here in men that were going to die, or, or did die. Anybody got Joshua 7? You may, uh, yeah, go ahead. So, so literally, not only Achan, but his family, sons and daughters, even his cows and stuff are like, oh, we get to go in front of the whole nation of Israel. Wait a minute. Like, they, they stoned everything. They burned everything. There were those who were innocent, who had judgment on, on them. This is not, this is not new. Um, anybody have Second Chronicles? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the fathers failed to take care of stuff, but the very last verse, and thank you, and, and, and our sons and our daughters and our wives are in captivity for this. Like, 
the whole nation of Israel was impacted because of a relatively small number of people not doing what they were supposed to do. So this is, and then we see, we, we won't read it because, you know, it's in the, we've, we've kind of already looked at it. In Exodus 5, when, when Moses goes to, to Pharaoh and he says, hey, I, we want to we wanna go, we want to leave, uh, they make it harder <laughs> on, the, on the children of Israel. So this, this is a pattern. So it's really important to note, while there might have been some liberty, freedom, reduction of the stress associated with the slavery right that they were in collateral damage will happen so that's our first point you will be collateral damage of someone else's sin i don't know if it's already happened if it will happen if it's happening now anybody's sin has collateral damage on other people it just does so when you, sometimes when the bad things hap- happens to you and you throw your hands toward heaven and say, God, why did you do this? Well, it might be the person sitting next to you. I tend to not do that like Sam does. Turn to the person next to you and say, stop sinning because you're cl- I'm collateral damage. Like this morning, he says, turn to your neighbor and tell him, my God's, there's no God like my God. Eric said that. There's no God like my God. I turned to somebody and I said, there's no God like my God. And they go, I know, he's my God too. Uh, so I don't generally like to have you turn to your neighbor and tell them, but like if, if I was having a sin issue and I got up here and I taught and let's just say it, I just, it got in the way and I taught bad doctrine or I had just taught a, a cruddy message. I've actually been in situations where I've been under individuals who were in sin. It didn't come out until later. Their, their preaching had lost power. Their teaching had lost practicality. Like, I was collateral damage to their sin. My development in the Lord was collateral damage. It's just the way it works. There's two things that you can be close enough, or close, close only works in horseshoes and hand grenades. And honestly, sin. Because if you're close enough to it, if I sin, it's going to affect Michelle. If Michelle sins, it's going to affect me. Like, we happen to live together. It's going to be a problem. On the way in today, she had a bad attitude, and it affected me. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm trying to... Everybody's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe he just said that. No. It also affects your children. And my kids' sin affects me. Right? And vice versa. My sin affects my kids. So, it's going to happen. So, we need to look at this collateral damage with purpose. Okay? We need to understand that sometimes it's, it's happening to the furtherance of something. Alright, so our second point is the world or devil will try to make it worse. Now, we've actually had this same point before. We saw it before in uh, Exodus 7:22, and the magicians of Egypt did so with their enchantments. Remember, there wasn't enough frogs all over the land, so the magicians, they're like, ha, 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 you think the frogs everywhere is enough? Let's make twice as many. So they added frogs when there was plenty of frogs to, to, to deal with. But notice it happens in, in um, or I guess that was, uh, that was actually the rod, uh, in in uh, Exodus eight seven, they did so with their with their uh, with frogs. In Exodus eight eighteen, they did so with the lice. Okay, Exodus eight eighteen the, um, did so. But but look at look at the look at the passage, and it says, and the magicians did so with their enchantments to bring forth lice. But what they could not. So this re- this actually creates. And we're going to see, I think, a big change in the, in the plagues here. Okay? We're going to see a big change. But first, we have to understand the world is always going to try to make it worse. We'll see there's false Christs, false prophets that will show up. Sam even touched on it this morning. Sometimes it's, it's dreams. I, I don't know if you've ever been around maybe a kid or somebody that's sleeping and you can whisper things in their ear and they, it actually can elicit a response. Okay, like sometimes it's with kids. You can be like, oh, you're so cute. And they'll smile while they're asleep or something. It's very innocent, very simple. 
But I actually believe that the, the dreams, that, or at least a part of the dreams, that you might have that are vile or perverse or, or try to get you off track doctrinally or try to rationalize sin are actually demons whispering in your ear while you're asleep. Now, I, I can't prove it, but I know that demons don't fight fair. And your sleep is not... some like. I know you keep your, if you don't have your foot out from under the covers, the boogeyman can't get your foot, right? You got to make sure it's not over, hanging over the bed, the, the, the beasts under the bed can reach up and grab it, right? But if you get it over the bed, they can't, they can't do that and they can't, why are you all not laughing? Like, they, yeah, they can't get you, they can't get you if your feet, they can't get you if you're under the covers. That's the rule of the boogeyman. Right. But. But the supernatural realm is not fair. They don't fight fair. They cause things to distract you in service. They cause things to pull you away, to keep you from church. Like it doesn't. It just demons don't fight fair. There will arise false Christ, false prophets, and they'll show great signs and wonders. And if you're not discerning, you'll be like, Oh, God was doing that in my life because nobody could do that except the Egyptian magicians or false Christ. Even him, even in 2 Thessalonians, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all powers and signs and lying wonders. <coughs> I, am, I, I am not looking for the Antichrist to arise, so to speak. I'm listening I'm, I'm looking for my Christ to, to return. I'm not, I'm not mindful of whether the Antichrist is on the world today, is on the earth today. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm not smart enough to figure that out. I'm looking for the return of my Lord. But there's going to come a point when things are going to start happening that no one can explain. And they are going to be rationalized as God. Because they were going to be lying wonders, power, signs, and lying wonders. Even Paul dealt with this. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, he's, doc- he's documenting this. So do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. He even calls, like, I have always wanted my name to be in scripture, but not this way. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Of whom be thou aware also, so like be aware of him, for he hath greatly withstood our words. Like Paul calls out this dude because this dude is one of those Egyptian magicians, which is not easy to say, Egyptian magicians who is trying to replicate what God does, trying to get people off of their focus. So our second victory principle today Satanic opposition should be expected. We said something similar to this a few weeks ago. It's actually a validation that you're doing the right thing. When the gospel is being preached and the coughing gets louder. I shared this a few weeks ago. When we were doing discipleship at Panera. I like Panera. I love their mac and cheese. But every time I broke open the word in Panera the radio got louder. The music got louder for some reason, like crazy. Or the baby sits down next to you and, ha- and it's just like, like somebody is poking it in the side and it has to scream. That is not coincidence. That is the satanic battle. And, and, and Moses is dealing with it. So how can we have victory? Well, the victory... We, we touched on already in Exodus 8.18 and the magicians did so with their enchantments to bring forth lice, but they could not. God finally said, nope, no more. You can't do this. Now, was it any tangibly any different than bringing forth frogs or turning the water to, to blood or the yeah, water to blood or the, the, the um, turning the rod into a snake because they replicated that? No. It wasn't, it wasn't like, that. oh, God actually finally found something the magicians could, couldn't do. It's not like that. God finally draws the line in the sand and says, no more. You're not, no more. You're not going to replicate what I do. We're going to draw a line in the sand, 
and everything from this point is going to be God, right? God. Even if you notice in verse 19, then the magician said unto Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened and he hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. So they even knew that it got to a point where they couldn't replicate it and it had to have been from God. In Exodus 8, 22 and 23, we've touched on it. And I will sever in that day the land of Goshen, in which my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there. To the end that thou mayest know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. So the plagues had finally gotten to a point where God said, Nope, the children of Israel are not going to be impacted by these plagues. I'm going to put a wall of, of protection around the land of Goshen, where they were staying in, in Egypt. So it would be like the land of Goshen is not a country like Egypt. It would be like saying the Egyptians, or it would be maybe the equivalent of saying, you know, the, the children of Israel that were in Raytown. Uh, that doesn't mean that's different than the level of country, right? So Raytown's different than, than, uh, than the United States in, in hierarchy. So they were in the land of Goshen within Egypt. But he, it's actually the first time he calls out where they are. It's interesting because it's the first time in, the, in this narrative that the place where the children of Israel are dwelling is actually defined as a place. So he's going to, he will put a division in verse 23 between my people and thy people and tomorrow shall this sign be. Now we're going to look ahead here. We're going to see in the following um, plagues, in chapter 9 and verse 6, and the Lord did that thing on the morrow, and all the cattle of Egypt died. But look, but of the cattle of the children of Israel died not one. He protects the children of Israel. And that's why I think we're seeing a contrast, because he starts calling out, hey, I made this division, I made a protection, and now he starts calling out that the children of Israel are not impacted. 9.26, only in the of Goshen where the children of Israel were, were there was no hail because they were protected. Up to this point, they've had impact. They saw not one another, neither arose so the plague of darkness from his place for three days. So this gets to Amy's point earlier, asking about, well, did it impact their ability to be, like, not to be slaves, the, the slavery that they were under? Well, yeah, because in the plague of darkness, nobody could even see, except, but all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. We actually start seeing a really interesting contrast now that the Lord calls us out in, in Exodus 8.22. All right, so I put this into a chart. I hope this helps. The blood, the frogs, the Egyptians were able to replicate them. We get to the plague of lice, the Egyptians are unable to replicate it. And then in, during the plague of flies, or at the beginning of that, the Lord creates a separation for the children of Israel in Goshen. The ones with the black are the ones, the verses I just read. None of the children of Israel's cattle died. None of the hail landed in Goshen. And there was no darkness. The children of Israel had light in their tents, okay, or in their dwellings. So we see a really sharp division here. Now, the boils and locusts, there's implied protection. And I won't go into the detail there just for the sake of time. But if you want, and, and we'll, talk, we'll talk more about the, the plagues as we go forward. But those, um, uh, those in, in particular, I thought I had the notes here. The, oh, no, I do. So in the boils, there's a reference to the boils being on Pharaoh, his servants, and his people. So there's kind of this implied protection. <coughs> in, the, in the locusts, it says all the, how, uh, all the land of Egypt, but only the house of the Egyptians. So it, it kind of seems to pass it, you know, both ways, right? It's all the land, but it only affected the Egyptians. So there, we're, we're at a really important moment in the series of plagues because God now is beginning to protect the children of Israel. So divine protection has a couple different aspects. Excuse me. Divine protection is a testimony. We see that in Exodus 14, and the angel of God, which, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud went from before their face 
and stood behind them. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. And it was a cloud and darkness unto them. But it gave light by night to these, the children of Israel, so that one came not near the other all night. So the Egyptians and the children of Israel camp near each other. But the Egyptians can't see the, the Jews and the Jews can't see the Egyptians because God's put a wall of protection. How beautiful is that? Even in Daniel chapter 3, you know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They fell down in the bound in the midst of the fiery furnace. And he looks into it and he says, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. We even sang about that this morning. It was a blessing to sing about, you know, keep me in the fire if that's where I need to be refined. And he saw these men whose, look at this, whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was an hair of their head singed, neither uh, their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. So Braden and Sophie, evidently in, a co- in their apartment complex, had a fire last night. I guess they're okay. Their stuff, I mean, they're okay. Their stuff, I think, is okay. I asked Sam, are they, did they lose stuff? Do we like, need to gather stuff for them? He's like, no, I think everything they own smells like smoke, though. You know, uh, which is going to happen if you're living in an apartment complex with a fire. But not if you're Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You don't, your, your clothes don't even smell like you've been near a campfire if you're with where God has you. In Second Kings, the remnant that escaped of the house of Judah shall yet again take root downward and bear fruit upward. For out of Jerusalem shall go forth a remnant and they that escape out of the Mount Zion. The zeal of the Lord of hosts shall do this. There's even a protection for the nation of Israel, despite the fact that all of them went into captivity, right? Remember, we read that, that like all the women and children are in captivity because of this. Yet there's a remnant that will be protected. I don't want to... I vacillated on going here, but why not? If you get balled around the axle because of whether it was a conspiracy on 9-11 or whether there's too much fluoride in the water or what's, uh, whether Black Friday is actually some weird thing, like, d- please don't. You live in the world. These things are going to happen. I, maybe, maybe 9-11 was an inside job. I know somebody was on the inside of it because it happened. I don't, it doesn't matter to me. I can't impact it. I can pray. I, yeah, am I, look, are, are, there, are, there some, are there elections that get screwed up in the United States? Yes, there probably are. But me picketing, me posting stuff on Facebook ain't going to change a hill of beans. I have to remember that I'm living in Babylon. I'm living in the world. I'm in Egypt and plagues are going on around me. Yet the Lord will protect me. Will you have to deal with some frogs and, and, and blood water? Yes. Will you have to deal with lice? Yes. But then there are other things that you won't have to deal with because he puts his hedge of protection around you. And at some point, he will put enough of a hedge of protection around you. Your clothes won't even smell like fire when you're burned at the stake. <clears throat> It's, it's for his testimony. He, ha- he takes no delight in you going through it, unless it's for your good. He takes no delight in it. Divine protection is an aspect of judgment. In Matthew 25, before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them, On his right hand, come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Then he shall say unto them on his left hand, depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. These shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. I've actually had people use that as their rationalization that we need to be more political so that the United States ends up on the right side of the of the judgment. That's not how it works. Not for the Christian. There is zero chance, zero chance that my being an American citizen will impact my eternity. Zero. It's all 
upon whether or not I have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. Uh, 100%. I can take the time doctrinally to walk you through this, but trust me, if you, if you think Matthew 25 applies to you, you have bigger issues. You have bigger problems. And I don't mean that. I'm not insulting your intelligence. I mean, you need to get saved. Because the salvation removes the application of Matthew 25 from your life entirely. So divine protection is an aspect of his judgment. He's judging the, the nation of Egypt. He's judging Pharaoh. And he puts a hedge of protection around his people. And the divine protection is for the mission. I know there's a lot going on here. Sorry, there's so many words. But not long after there arose against a tempestuous wind called Eurachlodon. And when neither sun nor stars many days appeared, no small tempest lay on us. All hope that we should be saved was taken away. Paul is going through this. And even the, the writer of the book of Acts, Luke, is with him. Luke is experiencing that which Paul is experiencing. And, and all hope that we should be saved was taken away. In verse 22, And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship, Paul says. Paul said unto the centurion and to the soldiers, Except these abide in the ship, you cannot be saved. Wherefore, I pray you, take some meat, for this is for your health. There shall not an hair fall from ahead of any of you. But the centurion, willing to save Paul in verse um, 43, kept them from their purpose, the slaying the, 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 the uh, prisoners, and commanded that they which should swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get to land. And the rest, some on boards and some on piece, broken pieces of the ship, I'm not sure there was enough room for both um, uh, Rose and oh, uh, Titanic. What was the guy's name? On the door, there's always the debate. Jack, like, I think there was probably enough room for Paul and Luke on broken pieces of the ship and the rest of the board, some boards and broken pieces of the ship. And so it came to pass that they all escaped safe to land. But they still went through a shipwreck, <laughs> but they all made it. So here I am telling you, eternity is the big deal. Does that mean we won't go through a little something here? Yeah, we might. We might go through some stuff here. And it might stink. And it might not make sense. And you might get that little pit in your stomach where you feel like right is wrong and wrong is right. And nobody seems to be listening. And, and stuff on the news just, just makes you mad. I, that's finally where I'm at. I'm getting grumpy and old. Like, it doesn't, <laughs> like, like, everything they show on the news is just bad news. I get an email. Somehow I start getting Kansas City news in my email. And it's this person was di died. This person was arrested. This person died. This person was arrested. This person died. And oh, this, this one kid won an award. You know, it's like, can't lead with the kid doing a good thing. So don't, don't seek the Lord to remove judgment. That's what people are praying for over the United States. Don't pray for that. You're actually asking the Lord to do something he can't do. <laughs> Don't ask the Lord to remove judgment, rather to be protected during his judgment. The children of Israel didn't have the right to say, God, stop doing the plagues. But they did have the right to say, protect us in Goshen. I don't know, maybe some kid prayed that to the Lord in Goshen and the Lord protected him. I don't know. In 2 Corinthians 6.17 says, Come, wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Whether it's Korah's rebellion that we see where God told Moses to get out of their tents so God could execute his judgment. Or even in Psalm 1 where he says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Ultimately, in a few verses later, he will be planted by the rivers of water. He'll be, he'll be sustained and he'll be fruitful. Remove yourself from that which is evil. Separate yourself from Egypt. Live in Goshen. And do what God's called you to do. You're going to still have times where you're just dealing with junk. You're dealing with the attack. You're dealing with plagues. But God promises to take care of his own. He says it here. Come out from among them and be separate. Now, let me just be very clear because I feel compelled to say this as I, even as I wrapped up. We are not a church that believes in insulation. Okay? We don't isolate our, or isolate ourselves from the, from the world. These doors are very open. 
It takes a lot to be kicked out of this church or asked not to come back. We are a very open church. That allows the battle to be very, very real here. Very real. And we will go through things that are uncomfortable, that are unpleasant. I got a picture right before I, I came that, you know, you've heard Sam talk about Sam talk about when we started, the, when he and others started, when the church was started here, that they had to clean human feces up from around the building because of different aspects of, of the homeless uh, living around here. Well, evidently, one of our pastors got that opportunity this morning and had to clean up some human feces. It happens, still. The attacks in this place are very real. But we're going to trust that we're in the land of Goshen. We're doing what the Lord's called us to do. And there will be deliverance. There will, we, we know the rest of the book of Exodus. Exodus. There will be deliverance. Let's trust in that. <clears throat> Lord, we do thank you for the day. We ask you take the things that you've brought out of your word. Lord, hopefully I communicate them. I feel like I got in the way several times. But Lord, uh, just take the things that, that uh, you would have communicated using your Holy Spirit. Help us to uh, grow in our walk with you. Help us to understand that the attacks will go on around us. Um, but that, that you've not called us to pull back from the attacks. You're going to be the defense. You're going to be the separation. You create the separation, the division. The children of Israel didn't do that. When you do that, Lord, the, the pillar of fire becomes an ultimate protection between two camps that were right next to each other. Lord, just work in a very supernatural way in our lives. Protect us so that we can see the victory because it's going to be really good as we go into the rest of the, the, the plagues and even the last plague where the, the lamb has to be sacrificed. Lord, we see what you're building to and Lord, just help us, uh, help us to apply it to our, our daily walk. In Jesus' name, amen.